We're going to continue this morning in the teaching series we've been doing on the names of God. There are many different names God goes by throughout Scripture. He's so great and so big, there's not any one or two or even five or ten names that can fully capture all who God is. And our hope in exploring each one is to gain a little bit deeper glimpse into the God that we worship. And the name we'll be looking at today is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, or the Lord our healer, Jehovah Rapha. An interesting name to explore during a time of pandemic, but really any time, because at any time you live on planet Earth, you're going to come across some kind of affliction in your life, some kind of illness, some kind of pain, some kind of way that we're just not well and desire to be well, desire healing. And we'll certainly run across many, many other people who are in that same boat. And when these things happen, it's common practice for Christians to pray to God, which implies some kind of hope that God can perhaps do something when we're not well. I mentioned earlier you can, you can submit prayer requests to us as a church that we'll be praying for you, and I'd say the majority of the requests we get are something along these lines. There's some kind of at least implied desire for, for healing in a situation where someone is struggling or someone is hurt or someone is, is not well in some way. And there is a lot of healing that takes place throughout the Bible. It's a huge part of Jesus' ministry, it's healing. There's no way that you can just reduce Jesus to being a good moral teacher. If you tried to take out all of the instances of him healing people, you'd have to rip out virtually every page of the Gospels because they're full of him healing all sorts of afflictions and ailments that people have and, and doing it in a variety of ways. And Jesus, we're told, is you know, the very embodiment of God himself. If we want to see what God is like, we look to Jesus, and Jesus did a lot of healing. And even before Jesus came, we see a lot of healing in the Old Testament as well. So just a quick study of the word Rapha, to heal, in the Old Testament Hebrew. There's a number of things that God heals throughout the Old Testament. Here's just a sampling of some of those things. Um, leprosy, sores on the skin, painful boils, oof, tumors, plagues, various other illnesses, infestations of mold, injuries, wounds of all kinds, really, and wounds that are self-inflicted and wounds that are inflicted on people by others. Also, broken hearts. Ever know anyone or have a broken heart yourself? And in the Old Testament, we see God heal the land itself, both the physical creation and kind of the the spaces that people live together as a society, heal, heal the land. So it certainly includes physical sickness, but it also is much broader than that, what it means that God is a God who heals. Now, some of the names that we've looked at in this study are names that people come up with for God as they discover something about who he is. And then there are other names that God directly reveals himself, and this is one of those. There is a point where he says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. And we find that in kind of an interesting place in the book of Exodus chapter 15. So if you could turn there in your Bible or electronic version to Exodus 15, this is where God reveals that name. Now this comes immediately after the Lord has 
done miraculous things to deliver the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, and he acts very powerfully through plagues, and, and then the parting of the Red Sea comes right before this, and most of chapter 15 is a big song of praise and worship to God for his power in delivering and rescuing these people from their bondage. And then we come to verse 22. This comes right after the big song of praise after God has delivered the Israelites. Verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them, and he put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am Jehovah Rapha, in the Hebrew, I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So this is an interesting place where God reveals this name, I am Jehovah Rapha. It's not as though the people of Israel are sick, there's not a, a virus that breaks out in the camp. It shows that healing is broader than that, but, but there are a couple things that do get healed in this story. One is actually the water itself, which is kind of neat just to see that God's healing power extends beyond people to the whole of the physical creation. He makes water that was unsanitary, all of a sudden sanitary and good for drinking. But there's something else that God wants to show his people here as he reveals this name. There's a healing in, in their relationship with God that takes place and begins to take place here. They, they're starting to learn that they can trust Him to take care of them, to trust God, that He has their good in mind. It's easy to be a little harsh on the Israelites here as they complain about the water, say, oh, how could they do this after what God had just done for them? How are they all of a sudden freaking out and not trusting God? Well, I, I tend to give them a little grace here. For one, I've never been without water for three days, and then to come across a contaminated water supply, and so I don't really know how we would do in that situation. But also remember, this is a people that had spent their entire lives in slavery, in bondage under a cruel power and oppressor, where everyone around them and the powers that be had only their harm in mind and not their good. And you don't just flip a switch and, and change your whole thinking when, when that's all that you've known. Some people who, who work with children who, who've experienced deep trauma, perhaps as, as foster parents or adoptive parents, they can be a little baffled, perhaps, by some of the behaviors of the kids if they don't understand the effects of trauma. And they can think, well, gosh, this fridge is filled with food, and we serve three meals a day. Why is this child hoarding food in their room? But if you understand the effects of trauma, like for a kid who's actually experienced real food deprivation, even if they're in a, a safe and abundant home, they don't always just quickly 
feel like, oh, I'm going to be provided for and, and easily trust that. Sometimes it can take a long time, a period of years to experience healing of that type. And God is beginning to heal the Israelites and their relationship with him to where they can trust him. This is the, the whole point of this story that, that they will come to know. If you listen to me, verse 26, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, if you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and all his decrees, it will go well for you. And he shows them. He, he gives Moses a kind of random thing to do, to throw a piece of wood into the water. This is not kind of a general practice, like if Coe's Pond is filled with algae, if you just kind of throw some wood in it, it'll get all better. No, this is just to show if you, if you do what God says, it really is best to listen to God, to pay attention to his commands, and to, to do what he says, and to trust that he really does have your best interest in mind, and he will care, and he will provide for you. And they see this in practice here in this story, and it's a lesson for what's to come, because soon God is going to give them the law at Mount Sinai, all manner of instructions, the Ten Commandments, and a whole list of other things for how they are to live. And the challenge for these people is going to be to really believe that God's way is the best way, that to obey God is what is right and what is good for them. And God is incredibly patient in this process. But even still, many, many generations, years go by, God continues to provide for his people, to heal them, to, to give them really everything they need, and to be only good to his people. They still have a hard time trusting him. Because there's something much deeper that's fractured and broken and needs healing in the relationship between people and God. It doesn't, for the Israelites, it doesn't just go back to Egypt and slavery. It goes all the way back, as it does for all of us, to the very beginning in the garden, in Genesis 3. Up till that point, people have had a, a perfectly harmonious relationship with God, enjoyed his goodness, enjoyed his care and provision in the garden. And there's a point where God gives one command, you know, don't eat from the tree, from the fruit of this one particular tree. Again, it's kind of a seemingly random and arbitrary command, like throwing a piece of wood in water. You know, what's wrong with eating a fruit on a tree? Well, it's just because God said not to do it. And what is the temptation that the serpent brings along? Is, is to sow doubt and to break trust with God. You know, did God really say not to eat from any tree in the garden? Well, he said we could eat from any tree, but if we eat from this tree, then we'll die. Oh, you won't die. God's not telling you the full story. He really is just holding out on you. He doesn't want you to know some things. But, you know, what God said, you don't have to trust it. You don't have to believe it. And people fall for it. And from then on, there is a fundamental break in trust between people and God, a fundamental alienation that we have with God where we just simply can't take him at his word and believe that it's best and do what is right. This is our most profound need for healing, is in this fractured relationship with God. And, and from Genesis 3, every other need for healing that's ever arisen kind of spirals out from there. Everything that is broken, anything that is, is wrong in us, whether it's in our bodies, in our psyches, in our relationships, or in our land, all flows out from there. But our most profound need for healing as human beings is in this fractured, alienated relationship with God where we just can't simply take him at his word, 
trust that it's good, and do what he says. That is where we need healing the most, is in our relationship with God. And thankfully, he is Jehovah Rapha, our healer, and his healing extends to this most profound need of ours. I want to look quickly at Isaiah chapter 53. In Isaiah 52 and 53 is a a prophecy that points clearly forward to Jesus' suffering and death on the cross, how he suffered on our behalf. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says this, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are Rapha, healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God has taken care of our most deep and profound need for healing, that we are fundamentally alienated and separated from him. He solved that by coming to die in our place, to take our, sick, our infirmity, our sin, all of our waywardness on himself, that we could be made right with God. That is our most fundamental way in which we need the Rapha healing of God, and he has provided it for us in Jesus. And the wonderful news is, if we experience this most profound healing in our lives, if we are made right with God through Jesus, every other kind of healing we could ever imagine is, go- is thrown in. Every other type of healing is part of the package. Because if we are made right with God through Jesus, we'll be raised up with him into a new and resurrected life. Eternal life is not just life as we know it prolonged forever. But eternal life with God is life in a whole new creation, a healed creation, a new heaven and earth, fully restored and fully healed and made whole, where any sickness, any pain, any ailment, any struggle, any condition or hurt we've had up until that point is over and gone. We'll be fully healed and restored by God forever. That's wonderful news. If we experience the the healing of our relationship with God, every other type of healing will one day come our way as well. But what does that mean for us now, currently, in the present? How do we encounter Jehovah Rapha now in our lives? I'll suggest three ways that we can encounter this, char- this part of God's character in our lives, Jehovah Rapha. First, we have to admit we've got a problem. Healing starts with an admission that there's something wrong. A number of years ago, I threw out my back really badly. The pain was so severe that my wife, Liz, drove me to get some medical attention. And as she drove me, I'm, I'm hanging onto the handle in the car, just deep breathing, writhing in pain. And then we walk in, and someone sees me, and I don't know, it's just my personality or the way I was raised. I got very stoic. And I, I just didn't want to whine or complain or bother anybody. So I just said, yeah, I just kind of, kind of tweaked it a little bit. Yeah. And then we left, and I, I said, Liz, you know, they hardly did anything for me. She said, well, you made it seem like you were fine. Here you are writhing in pain, but they don't know that. 
So I learned an important lesson that day. If you see a physician, you tell them what's wrong with you. Then maybe they can help. I, I didn't know. But we, we do this with God as well, just by denying, perhaps, that, that something's wrong. We see this many places in Scripture. In Jeremiah chapter 6, there's a setting in which uh, society is really kind of falling apart around the Israelite people, but people are kind of saying, oh, it's fine. And the prophet says, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Later on, Jesus says this to a, a bunch of people who kind of thought they had it all together. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Those who kind of felt they were righteous, thought they had it all together and were doing just fine, they really missed out on the power of Jesus, who was Jehovah Rapha in the flesh. But those who could come to him and admit their need and cry out like the song we sang, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you. They encountered Jesus powerfully in his healing and saving power. We've got to start by admitting what's wrong. Recovery starts with step one of the 12 steps of AA. As we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. And you could fill in any compulsion, any condition, any area in which you need healing. It, the healing starts with this admission. We admitted we were powerless over fill in the blank. And we come to Jehovah Rapha in our powerlessness, in our need. Then, number two for encountering Jehovah Rapha in our lives, pray for healing. Like pray, like really turn to God and ask for healing. Don't just talk about your condition or problem solve it, but turn to the Lord, to Jehovah Rapha. If you follow Jesus for any length of time, you're going to come across prayer for healing. Either you're going to do it, you're going to want it, or someone's going to ask you, pray for me uh, for some form of healing. And there are so many different <laughs> streams of thought on this. Healing prayer for some of us is a place where we've encountered God most powerfully. Perhaps you even came to faith in the first place or have had your faith bolstered by encountering the healing power of God in your life or someone else's life. I've seen God do some things in this realm where I've come away thinking, oh, how could I ever doubt God again after seeing him do this? For some of us, the realm of healing prayer is, is actually a place of great disappointment, a place where we've struggled in our faith, struggled to believe in the goodness of God, where perhaps we've prayed fervently for our own healing or for someone else, and, and we just didn't see it happen. And it's perhaps even caused a crisis of faith in God and in His goodness. But at some point, we're all going to come across healing prayer in our walk with Jesus. So I want to say a few things about it. Again, there are so many things that could be said, but what I want to propose to us today is to pursue a humble boldness, a humble boldness in asking God for healing. If you pray for healing with boldness but with no humility, that can be problematic. We can start to think we're in charge, that we can control or manipulate God, or if we just kind of claim this type of authority or pray in this certain way that we can get God to do what we want. So 
Boldness without humility is a dangerous thing, and it can be very damaging when we make pronouncements to other people or onto other people about what God will or won't do in their lives based on X, Y, or Z. There's no way, really, to take the mystery out of the process of healing prayer. There's no way that we can pull all the strings or, or get God to do what we want. Jehovah Rapha is also, we learned a couple weeks ago, Adonai, the Lord, who really does things the way he wants, when he wants. And we can't take that out of the equation and think that if we just do this, that, or the other and pray boldly that we can get our way. It's not quite how it works. And, you know, I've seen cases where we tried everything in the book. I had a friend who was really sick a number of years ago in a previous church, and people, they, they tried it all. You know, we did fasting and 24-7 prayer chains all around the world. People anointed him with oil. They pronounced all kinds of authoritative words in the name of Jesus about how he was going to get well, and, and he just didn't, and he passed away rather painfully. And people were crushed and honestly, I was a little gun-shy for quite a while after that about praying for healing of any kind. So boldness without humility is a problem, but also humility without boldness when it comes to healing prayer, that just leads us to kind of being resigned, passive, maybe even sort of giving up, or just not even bothering to bring things to God at all. Like God won't do anything, or God doesn't care about my little problem. Or if we do pray, it comes across in a really timid kind of prayer of like, well, God, you know, I'm sure you have bigger things to worry about, but, you know, if you notice I'm, I'm suffering in this way, I would love healing. But if it's not your will, then that's, that's okay, that's fine. And it becomes very passive. But I think some of us, you know, whereas some of us may need a little more humility, some of us may need a little more boldness in approaching God for healing. And a little more boldness in claiming the healing power of God in our lives. Because again, if we are made right with God through Jesus, we'll be raised up into a new life in a new creation where all things are made well. That is your inheritance as a child of God. That is coming your way. And so whatever it is that ails you, God is going to make you well. He will heal you. I just don't know when, and I don't know how. But whatever it is you've got and whatever it is you struggle with, whatever it may be, whether it's COVID-19 or heart disease or cancer or chronic pain or addiction or dementia or post-traumatic stress or diabetes or vision loss or depression or bipolar or STDs, I mean, allergies, what else you got? You will be made well by God one day. We just don't know when or how, but let this be the beginning and the end of your prayers that I thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Rapha and you will heal me. We can't ever lose sight of that hope but, and the comfort that it brings. Let that be the beginning and the end of our prayers for healing. Regardless of what happens immediately, we will know that God is who he says he is and he will make us well one day. So pray for healing. Admit there's a problem. Bring it to God. Don't go through your struggles apart from Him. Bring it to Him. Open the lines of communication and cry out to Him and know that He is your healer. And then finally, another way to experience Jehovah Rapha in our lives here and now 
is to embody this aspect of God's character. To look for the hurting, to look for the broken, look for the sick, look for the struggling. You do not have to look far right now. There is a world of hurt all around us if we open our eyes and pay attention. And we need to see our lives as the healing balm of God in this world for those who are broken, those who are hurting, and those who are struggling. Your life may be a mess too at this moment, but if you've got any hope in a God who's bigger than all that's going on and any comfort from his presence, then you've got something to share and don't hold it back because pain and suffering that people are going through right now, it's bad enough as it is, but to go through it apart from God and continually alienated from God and his presence and his power, that just leads to despair. You are placed where you are to embody this aspect of God among hurting people. Look for the hurting. And I'll say this with a big asterisk, you know, do what's safe and appropriate and people feel comfortable with, but get as close as you can to the hurting right now with the comfort and with the healing presence of God. There's all kinds of ways we can do this. A number of us through our Journey Neighbor Facebook page became aware of opportunities to do meal delivery to those who are shut in or otherwise vulnerable. It's been incredibly life-giving. Some of us have been volunteering in homeless shelters as, as we're able, those of us who are able to do that sort of thing. Some of us vocationally are in places where we administer healing, those of you in the medical profession or, or otherwise. I want to highlight uh, a member of our church, Jen Gorham. She and her husband, John, have been in the, the healing business as, as therapists for a number of years, but during this season, Jen has launched a new practice along with a partner called Deeply Rooted Counseling, Deeply Rooted Wellness and Counseling. It's a counseling practice that looks to be holistic in its care for people to address the psychological and the emotional and the physical and the spiritual aspects of people's lives. It's a brave time to launch a new venture, but something that's desperately needed. Um, but it doesn't have to be your vocation. could just be something simple. I love what uh, Ron Waddell's sons, Isaiah and Joshua, have been doing They've noticed people hurting around them, homeless people that they pass by each day and thought, what could we do about it? And they've started a lemonade stand where the proceeds go to gift cards for their homeless friends that they've made as they've learned their stories and learned what they, what they need. They've been a healing presence in the lives of the hurting people around them. Saturdays, 4 to 5.30 on Elm Street. It's really good lemonade, too. How can you be a healing presence? We have kids in our hub youth ministry who've been reaching out to their friends to start Bible studies, either in person or online right now, to reach out with the hope of Jesus. Look around for the people in your life who are hurting, who are struggling, and ask God how you can be a healing presence in their lives. Look for kids who are, who are just so bored and struggling and trying to make sense of things. Look for parents who've had their kids home for months and are now faced with the prospect of remote learning this fall while still having to work to provide for said kids? How can you be an encouragement to them? Who's been sick? Who's been lonely? Who's lost their job? Who's struggling with addiction? Who doesn't know what tomorrow is going to bring? That's everybody. But look for those who are hurting around you. I know we all have our own problems, 
but we have got the presence and the hope of Jehovah Rapha in our lives. We've got to see ourselves as the ambassadors of healing during this time. If you had a cure for COVID, you wouldn't keep it to yourself unless you were some kind of monster. And if you've got the hope of God, the presence of God in your life, now is the time to share it as boldly, as broadly as you can. So get as close as you can to those who are hurting. It may be in person, maybe at a distance, maybe just remotely. I've got a challenge for some of you. If you find yourself just scrolling through news or social media, stop. Scroll through your contacts and ask God, who needs some encouragement today? Then use the phone feature of your phone or messaging. Give them a call. Shoot them a text. There's a lot of people around us who God would like to encourage, and, and you may be the one he would call today. But we know Jehovah Rapha, the one whose desire and intent is to one day make all things well, all things new. May we experience that ourselves. If you're not, admit where you need him. Cry out to him. But also know that if you're made right with him, you've got an awful lot to offer during this time. And may God open our eyes to what that is. Let me pray for us. So Lord, I, I am aware there are many people listening right now, watching, who, who are suffering, truly, in a lot of different ways, whether it be physical, emotional, um, just the uncertainty, the, the compounded stress that this season has brought. I'm aware that our city is hurting in a lot of ways. There's tension over school. There's violence that, that we haven't seen in quite a long time. Our economy is hurting, and that brings with it all sorts of issues. And our, and our nation is hurting. Our land is really hurting right now. Lord, we don't want to be a people who just kind of talk about all that stuff and have opinions about it, but Lord, we need you. We need Jehovah Rapha, where we need healing in our lives, God. Give us the strength, the courage, the humble boldness to bring those needs before you. Meet us in the places where we are hurting and struggling today. Lord, for those of us who are called by your name, make us a people who point to you, who cry out to you, and who embody you in these times. Even now, Lord, we don't have to scroll through our contacts, but just even now, bring to mind who's around us, who needs a touch, who needs to be listened to and heard, who needs to be encouraged. How, oh God, even in our own stuff, could you use us and send us to a broken and hurting world? Give us vision, open our eyes, and let us encounter you and your healing grace, your healing power by stepping out and embodying it in this world. Show us how we can, in Jesus' name, amen.